0: Welcome to Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance. I'm a Josh Lindley. I said it that way because I mistyped it when I uh, said this thing I'm supposed to be reading. I'm Josh Lindley. And uh, each week, myself and co-host Dan Forcier bring you a talk about three songs by the band Good Riddance. This week, we're talking about the songs Tempest Toss from 2020's Benefit for the World Food Program. We're talking about the song Texas from 2006's My Republic with a very special guest. And we'll be talking about 2015's dry season from the album Peace in Our Time.
1: Yes. What's up, pals? Welcome back to a little Last Believer sesh. I'm just coming here to remind you that we do love hearing from you guys. So uh, shoot us an email or slide into our DMs. Uh, You can email us at lastbelieverpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram um, at lastbelieverpod. It's pretty much uh, cross-platform as well because we have a Patreon that we've set up and we're working on some... uh, Some very cool, uh, exclusive stuff for you guys. We've been in touch with some cool guests and just even some games that Josh and I have been kicking around that we're going to throw on there. So uh, check that out. It's uh, patreon.com slash lastbelieverpod as well. While you're on the internet, we'd love it if you could just uh, give us a little subscribe uh, and drop a five-star review. Um, Even something as easy as pop-pop can really just, uh, you know...
0: Give us an extra pop. Give us a little bit of magnitude.
1: There it is. I'm glad that you you knew exactly where I was going with that. And um, yeah, it also helps people just you know finding us. And uh, ideally, though, as you know, the grassroots punk rock kind of production that this is, tell a friend. Um, let someone know that you think they might enjoy uh, two bozos
0: talking about old punk songs. While you're looking around online, uh, we have set up a Spotify playlist, which is like definitely not punk. Uh, however, the songs on it could be qualified as such, or at least some of them. The idea with this playlist is that you're not coming in dry when you come into the uh, Last Believer podcast. You get an idea of of what we're talking about, why we're talking about it, frames something a little bit, maybe gives you a little insight into the terrifying minds behind this thing. Something that is definitely on the Spotify playlist as of this week, I'm going to bring it up, I got my Seized Up 7-inch in the mail from Curse Blessings. Anyone that's been listening for a while knows that we talked all about this Seized Up 7-inch with Al Nolan a few episodes ago. I got my physical copy of it, and uh, I've been having some internet issues at my house, and I was very happy to receive analog music that required no internet for me to listen to it when I got it yesterday. Also in that package from Curse Blessings, a bunch of stickers and stuff, I got a Seized Up patch, and Dan... Mm-hmm. I feel like you're more in touch with uh, the patch wearing public than I am these days. Do I still use dental floss to sew this onto my battle jacket or can I use like regular thing? Like is safety pins still a thing? Like what's the, what what do the punks do now?
1: That is an excellent question. I feel that the right answer is um, follow, follow your heart and live your truth. Um, We're at the age where punk points don't really matter anymore if you want to use dental floss, maybe then, not to you. Sure. If you want to put pins on to make it look like tough, sick. If you want to bring it to the uh, the nice little lady that has a um, little seamstress shop and want to pay her five bucks to uh, sew it on there so it's done nice and you're helping local
0: business, also sick. You know, like do, do whatever you want. Just uh, live your truth. I'll take it. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we jump into the songs this week? <laughs> yeah.
1: Actually, kind of funny that I, I didn't want to tell you this um, in advance. I want to drop it on pod just to get your first time reaction. Um, So Sunday, uh, before I do my uh, my music trivia, I went to the um, the LCBO, the liquor store down the street. And I had headphones in and uh, someone tapped me on my shoulder. And I got kind of got grilled for being uh, – they asked me if I was an undercover cop and didn't believe me when I said no.
0: What? Really? <laughs> I mean, okay. If if I'm being 100% honest, you haven't had a haircut since COVID happened. At least that's what you look like. And you've been wearing a bandana to try to sort of hold it back. And your beard is just so good. Like, <laughs> I could understand how someone could walk up – like, you sort of – you don't not look like Tommy Chong. I feel like sort of looking like Tommy Chong is exactly what a narc would try to do.
1: Okay, that might be okay. Most people have said that's crazy um, that that I was getting that comparison. Um, You've kind of broken it down interestingly, but I was not wearing the bandana. I actually had a black and white hat on with a huge pentagram on it. A, a hooded sweater that has a, um, a parody of the uh, Toronto Transit Commission logo that uh, my friend uh, did up. Shout out to the Code Clothing Co. And like black jeans and black. So I was just wearing like just all black and white and the hoodie sleeves a little bit up. So the tattoo's showing a bit. And she was like, you're an undercover cop. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she's like, yes, you are. You look like you look with your tattoos. And I was like, I don't even like the police. Get away from me. I'm just trying to get day drunk.
0: So was, do you think that the play then, was to accuse you of being an undercover cop so that you can say no i'll prove it you want a six pack uh,
1: no actually i think i know really what it was was it uh, the person that she was with in that area um i walked by them earlier and it looked like they may or may not been uh you know having an extra beverage on the government and uh but i don't know
0: for sure if that's what i saw and so eh, it's not my business Getting mistaken for an authority figure, I suppose there's worse things out there.
1: Uh, I don't know. The way that we've been talking about cops lately. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> that's why I thought it was pretty funny and I wanted to kind of drop it on the pod, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll take it. Well, <laughs> you know, you, you dress like a narc, you're going to get called a narc. <laughs> All right. Uh, the first song that we're talking about this week is Tempest T- Tossed. Uh, from the benefit for the world food program available only on Bandcamp. buy it donate that money the record is very good russ luke chuck and sean play on it dan what did you think of this one yeah this is the
1: third song from this comp that we've done three out of four comp uh, i don't want to say yeah little ep benefit ep and uh, every time um I go and find it on Bandcamp or you know stream it on YouTube, forgetting that from the first time that we did one of the songs, I bought it <laughs> because I was like, oh, it's for a good cause and we're doing a Good Riddance podcast, I so might as well buy it. But yeah, I digress. Uh, so basically, it sounds like a cool little pop punk bop, like it just not not like your typical um, skate punk or even like melodic hardcore Good Riddance. Um, I feel like. You know, if this would have came out maybe 20 years ago instead of, you know, like 2000, you know, in your Green Day Offspring, some 41, Blink 22, 82 era of radio pop punk. Like, this could have been in the mix as, like, a single. Not saying it would have charted as, like, a number one or anything, but it could have gotten some pretty decent, like, alternative radio airplay. I would, But other than that, just like when I said on Behind These Walls uh, on the same release, like, I really don't have much to add. There hasn't been, like, a lot of uh, to soak in with this one for me particularly um sounds cool you know there's no lyrics anywhere for me to deep dive into it i can only go from what i hear uh yeah it's the 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 only thing i can say is i strongly recommend that everyone listening to this head over to that band camp and throw a couple bucks over uh because 100 of the proceeds are going to the wo- the the world food program so yeah go check that out that's pretty much what i got
0: yeah, and in the show notes, we'll make sure that we have a, a link to the World Food Program in there so you can see some of the work that uh, that they've been doing. I agree with you, Dan. This, this does sound like a song that could have come out, I would say, like on a fat comp in 2002, uh, which is cool. You know, uh, I feel like this song, Tempest Tossed, even though it just came out last year, is classic pop punk. You know, very like no use for a name vibes. And I think that the whole thing... Well, I mean, not so much that it's written the way, but uh, the way it was recorded sounds kind of restrained, maybe a little too clean and too perfect. After hearing this lineup of the band tear through some of the songs on Thoughts and Prayers, which I'm pretty sure were recorded and written about the same time that this EP was, to hear Tempest tossed, uh, this song is pretty slow and pretty poppy by comparison, I think. Uh, The bridge, to me, is the most interesting part, though. The trade-off vocals, the drum fills, the bridge is really cool. It sounds like the band took some time really arranging the bridge, but then maybe the rest of the song doesn't match up to it. Maybe they knew that it was coming out on an EP later and wasn't necessarily going to be on the full length. Um, Sure. As for the lyrics, like you said, they aren't super easy to find online, but you know what I did find? The lyrics? No. I I found the lyrics to an old hymn. And like a lot of old hymns, the first line is also the title. I hope everyone likes it when I read on the pod, because here is, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. And this is a hymn from the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Anyway, so that's uh, the first verse. I guess I get it. You know, even when things are rough, there's always something to be thankful for, which always sounds great until you're really going through shit. Um, And uh, while I haven't been able to parse through the lyrics to the Good Riddance song, Tempest Tossed, I get the impression that it's about recognizing what you can and can't control and what you know may or may not be worth pushing through. I just know that I... Don't look to God. We've talked about this. I don't look to God for inspiration.
1: Right.
0: If I need to feel amped up or jazzed about life, I look to Andrew W.K. Okay, okay. Funny that we have Tempest Tossed, which is a reference to a hymn, and later on in the show, we have the song Dry Season, which addresses some issues with religious states. And we have a very special guest this week that I mentioned. He hosts a podcast all about religion.
1: Oh, I did not know that part. I knew one of the pods. Um, Can I, can I just circle back to one thing that you had mentioned? Yeah. Two yeah, things, actually. First of all, even though I can see you, you, it doesn't sound like you're reading. You know, and you're like, oh, I hope people don't mind when I read. Your delivery is still very natural. At least I think so. So it doesn't really sound like you're reading, first and foremost. So that's pretty. You. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is, hear me out. We put together on the Patreon a uh, Good Riddance inspired digital cookbook. All right, so maybe with some snacks and some beverages, and okay. then we have a recipe called Tempeh Tossed, and it's a salad with like a buffalo tossed
0: tempeh. Yo, okay. Yo. As discussed previously, I was vegan for a long time, and I have a fair amount of skill in preparing tempeh. I like the idea for tempeh tossed, okay. and uh, you can lo- you can look for that on the Last Believer podcast <laughs> Patreon sometime in the next—I don't know—I <laughs> don't want to give myself a real timeline here. No. What's my deadline going to be? Like June first? Let's say let's say July first. Tempeh tossed summertime. Oh, okay. Tossed tempeh dish.
1: We'll try and come up with like a dozen, uh, a dozen or so <laughs> things that we can just do, just like as a digital PDF cookbook or something for the fun of
0: it. It'll be real good. Some uh, cocktails. What could go wrong? I am going to dial in our special guest right now. We decided to do this live. Who knows how that's going to go, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. If I can just uh, add him in. It's calling him. Sick.
2: Uh, well, here we are. We did right. it. Awesome. Hello. Hello. I'm uh, I'm on a tiny little MacBook Pro right now that I hardly ever use. So I fired up an old machine to do this because Skype was already preloaded on it. Um, but yeah, I'm stoked to be here, man. This is great. We appreciate times.
0: it. I'm going to do my proper introduction. Everyone is hearing the voice. Now, on Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance, this is our first non-Canadian guest Uh, Greg Soden is about 6'5". He's a runner. He's a cyclist. He's a parent. He's a record collector. He's a teacher and host of not one but two podcasts. One is his Classical Ideas podcast, which I just referenced before pulling him onto the call, where he talks to uh, a variety of um, scholars. Mm -hmm. in religious studies, let's say, and then the other podcast, which has a whole lot more to do with what we're talking about today, is called Unscripted Moments, a podcast about propaganda. Welcome to the show, Greg Soden.
2: I am so delighted to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. It is fantastic to be here. So cheers to you both for the invite. I'm just delighted.
0: Uh, Greg, first question is your name pronounced Soden or Sodden? I Soden. felt like a jerk just rolling into it. You <laughs> nailed
2: it. It was amazing, and you did better than fifty percent of my teachers growing up in the public school system. So well done for your intuitiveness as far as pronunciation for that uh, strange name goes.
0: I'll take it. It's not that strange of a name. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know it's. And what's really funny is if you Google Soden, there's actually a town in Germany called Bad Soden which I absolutely love. So someday I have to make a pilgrimage to Bad Soden
1: in Deutschland. Some, um, some merch, some uh, tourist merch. Why? I don't know why. I couldn't remember the word tourist. Some touristy merch that says Bad Soden on it.
2: Seriously, isn't that the greatest name ever? I mean, I feel so lucky. And when I get there someday, I'm going to track down everything I can with all the writing on it that I can too.
0: First of all, thank you for coming to join us on this podcast, taking the time. As I just mentioned, you do a lot of stuff. And for you to take uh, however long this goes to hang out with a couple nerds from Toronto and talk about another one of your favorite bands, Good Riddance, really appreciate you taking the time.
2: I am so happy. I am so happy to talk about Good Riddance, and I'm so happy you're doing this podcast. Song by song podcasts are just the niche content that is just so beloved by the people who appreciate it. And I'm just so lucky to be a part of this world.
0: It's a very funny thing. I think when Dan and I started this out, we didn't realize how big the network was. Yeah. I mean, we're both we're both very familiar with uh the formerly Blink one fifty five, now the one fifty five podcast. Uh I know Dan was a big fan of what was the name of the Alkaline Trio one? As You Were. As You Were Yeah, that's right. And then yeah. Tim the really cool thing with
1: um with Brendan from Lawrence Arms like going through all of his stuff too, which is pretty rad. I uh, listened to
2: every one of those Road to the Skeleton Coast, every single one, without fail. Like I've I've just spent like my entire winter with Road to the Skeleton Coast.
0: Yeah, I just love and listening
1: so, to Kelly talk. Like
0: yeah. <laughs> Uh, so besides all the things that I just listed, you're also obviously a big fan of Good Riddance. And since the moment that we mentioned online that we were going to do this podcast, you've been on board and like not just kind of on board. Um, Super I on, feel board. Like, I feel on board. Completely on board. I feel that both of your podcasts and you personally were three of the first five followers and the other two followers are the hosts of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, thanks for that. But... Uh, <laughs> Tell us about your relationship with Good Riddance. When did you first hear about them? Were you on board right away? Give us the whole deal.
2: So it was definitely the Peep Show VHS tape from Fat Records with the Steps music video. And the thing that was so special, so special to me about that is seeing that massive crowd, the good riddance was playing in front of, I think they probably filmed a video. I think they filmed it in Europe, but maybe it's in California, but it's in a massive room. Russ is in a basketball Jersey. And then I was learning how to play drums when I saw that video for the first time. And when Sean Sellers starts that super fast kick drum beat, like partway yeah. through steps, like boop, boop, bop, boop, boop, bop, boop, 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 I was just, in all in and Sean Sellers was like my guy. And I was obsessed with comprehensive guide to modern rebellion. And then when operation Phoenix came out, it just blew me out of the water as well. But my first experience is the steps video. And then when operation Phoenix came out, I got really into it because when we peeled off that sticker on the back of the CD case with the exposed skull, our parents became enraged that we had this. But for some reason, we were able to keep it. But that really just sticks in my mind about like, wow, this is a band that's saying something. This is a band that has something to teach me. They exposed me to war crimes on the back of an album cover. And Mm -hmm. so that really sent me down this path of appreciating what this band does um, and then really appreciating uh, Russ Rankin's contributions to to hardcore and punk rock. And that's kind of like my my gateway point is the steps video, Operation Phoenix, and just went off from there.
1: I was gonna say, Go like, ahead. was a time when, like, you maybe I don't want to say fell off or took a break from Good Riddance, but like, as Josh and I have talked about before, you know, with differences and kind of songs and or not songs, but as the styles of the songs and taking a break from the band, and even just as you're maturing, did you were you with them pretty much the whole time, or was did you like me be like, oh, I listened to a lot of the stuff on the early fat comps and then disappear for 20 years
2: yeah for me it was comprehensive guide to modern rebellion ballads from the revolution and operation phoenix were like my go-tos and i was really excited when dave wagonschutz joined the band because i was a huge kid dynamite fan but for some reason i really mm-hmm. did like symptoms of a leveling spirit and the first time that that when that record came out is when i saw good riddance and no use for a name on the fat rec tour Um, And so I got to see Goodrins for the first time with Dave on drums, which was really cool. Um, Obviously, I was missing Sean because Sean was such an important drummer to me. But I did not connect with the Bound by Ties of Blood and Affection record for a long time. So I think that after 2001, um, I started getting a lot more into what Strung Out was doing. And I got really into an American paradox and uh, Propaganda and um, stuff like that. So I kind of got away from just the super fast um, punk rock stuff, and I kind of went into a little more of a direction with bands that were kind of pushing my, my comprehension. Um, and so I kind of got out of them after Symptoms before Bound by Ties, and then it took a while, uh, but I would say that I was out of Good Riddance from 2002 until 2006. I came back in briefly in 2006, but then, like I think the hiatus was a good thing for Good Riddance because when Peace in Our Time came out, I was all in. I came right back in there. But I there was several years there where I was not listening to Good Riddance really at all. I did check out Russ's solo
1: record, but um, you know I was out for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely that that break and the way like Josh and I have talked like when they came back after that hiatus, they came back with something to say like with a punch.
2: Yeah, totally. They really did step it up with Peace in Our Time. I think that it was such a strong return record, and Thoughts and Prayers is awesome. And I love that they're not rushing releases now. Like, I like that they're taking three, four, five years between records. I think that that is uh, a strategy that more bands should do. And I'm glad that Good Riddance has switched up their comeback approach to making records um, to let time pass. And to, you know, figure out new things to say as opposed to being on that really traditional album cycle. But I was out for a long time, and I'm glad that I'm back in Good Riddance uh, fandom, if you will.
0: Yeah, like you're saying, it is something that comes up a lot in a lot of interviews that Russ has done, especially since the band has gotten back together, where they talk about... Yeah, man, we have families, we have full time jobs, we can't actually do the band full time anymore, which is why there isn't a record every 12 to 18 months. They, yeah, they have they have the time to let ideas gestate now, uh, which is super beneficial because they haven't done anything wrong since they started playing shows again. Mm hmm. Uh, mm mm-hmm. Anyone listening knows that when we invite people to be on Last Believer, we ask for a top five song list from our pals. And one of the songs, Greg, that you chose was Texas from My Republic, which came out in 2006. It's the second song in on the record. Russ, Luke, Chuck, Sean, back in the band, which I find uh, now that you're talking about it, fortuitous that uh, Sean Mm -hmm. comes back in the band. and You all of a sudden become interested again. Uh, Bill Steven and Jason Livermore on the boards. Greg. Why did you pick the song Texas as one of your Good Riddance favorite songs?
2: So Sean Sellers was a huge, huge reason why I became re-interested in Good Riddance with uh, My Republic. And I had a lot of high hopes for this record, and I think that everybody did. I think that people were really stoked that Sean was back. And I was expecting those drum sounds from Comprehensive Guide to Modern Rebellion to be back again. And I don't think that they really were were and i think that i remember this album being extremely panned like i think that people felt very flat about it and that it didn't really do anything for them but this album to me serves an important purpose in my life because of the context and so i was in my fourth year of university and i was working at a a venue in missouri called the blue note uh where no effects is actually
0: banned for life interestingly um and Wait, I abs- Hold on, timeout, timeout. Yeah. Why why is No Effects banned for life?
2: Uh they had a a live sex act with women from the crowd on the stage during a show and uh the owner of the venue had banned No Effects for life. And I think that show happened in like 98 or 99. Um but that's where I worked. And if you go to that venue to this day, in Columbia, Missouri, you can see where I graffitied on the wall above the bar. Jesus saves Gretzky scores. Um, <laughs> so but anyway, so this is a super important era to me for fat records. Right. I think about this. This is satire by None More Black, Cuban ballerina, Americans Abroad, Dead FM, Virulence, um, Sinking Ship, Oh, Calcutta, Keep Your Heart, like um, Wolves and Wolves Clothing, um, St. Catharines. my God, that Dancing for Decadence record. Co- yeah. um Cognicide by Western Addiction, Lagwagon Resolve. Like, these are some of my absolutely favorite Fat Wreck releases, like, just post Potemkin City Limits. And I used to order every single CD as mail order from Fat Records, and they would arrive in the little bubble mailers. And I was so excited that Sean was back, and I remember ordering this record. And um, that's why it really sticks with me is because I was all in on 2003, four, five, six fat records. Like that was like my almost like highest point of fandom because there were so many interesting bands on the label at that time that were bending that fat rec norm sound that Mm -hmm. I could get such a wide variety of sounds in those bands in that particular era. And at the time I, was like really taken aback by the placement of this song on the record. Right. Because it's second on this record. And, you know, the first song on this record, um, is, uh, out of mind and it's a ripper. And it was a totally like, yeah, good riddance. Oh my God, new good riddance. And then it goes into Texas, And it's so bizarre. I don't understand why it's second. So it really stuck with me because it's second right after a ripper. And then all of a sudden it just totally, you hit a brick wall pace wise. Yeah. And I think that pissed a lot of people off. And I thought that that was hilarious. So yeah. So like the pace is going and then it's like, bam, you hit a brick wall. And so what's the deal with that? the next thing that really stands out to me is that there are two songs on this record named after specific places. So there's Texas Mm -hmm. and there's Boise. And it's like, why are there two songs named after places? Um, And another thing that really stands out to me about this song is that I feel like a lot of the songs on, on my Republic could possibly also have gone on farewell Catalonia, Russ's solo record like mm-hmm. if you listen to Texas or Shame or Boise, they all sound like they could legitimately be made Russ Rankin solo songs. So I was really appreciating what Russ was doing in the band at this time because like I could really see him start to uh, think about his own songs and like I, I could totally see these songs being on just a Russ record, which I really dug. So that's kind of why this song stands out to me. It's the placement on the record, it's the pace. It's the strange sequencing choice. Um, and it's like the mystery of why is Texas showing up in this Northern California band's second track of their, you know, record with their return of their drummer. Like, what is the deal with this? So it was always a real mystery to me why yeah. this song was where it was. So that's kind of what why it stands out to me in general, um, before I get into like any specifics, you know?
0: First thing I wanna say is that yeah, um my take on it, again, because I have been into good riddance since the first time i ever heard them and when yeah. i knew the record was coming out i was just die hard like super ready for it and like you said out of mind the first song on this record sounds exactly like good riddance uh it, it's like exactly what you're hoping for and then when texas starts it is yeah like a, a pro, an unintentional one but definitely like a, a shock a, a really jarring song to go into as a second song on the record yeah. and just as you said that I started thinking about the uh, Heavy Petting Zoo LP, the mm-hmm. second time no effects has come up in the three minutes we've been talking. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the same thing where the first song is homophobic, which like problematic as hell, but also not totally unexpected coming from no effects. Right. And then and then the song after that, I can't even remember the name of it, but it starts and there's a xylophone, Filthy Phil yep. filth Philanthropist. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and the start of this, it's like homophobic is a 45 second long song. It sounds like it could have been on, you know, the like, uh, like ribbed or something. Yep. And then it goes into this song that starts with a xylophone. And I was like, what the fuck are they giving me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, and I, uh, although my reaction wasn't as jarring with Texas, I remember when it came out the same sort of thing where it's just being like, why are they, why would they do this? Mm-hmm. So it's really funny that you brought that up. Also, any longtime listener of the pod will know that when we had our friend Crystal Kent on to talk about the song Steps, uh, both Dan and Crystal, and probably now you, Greg, uh, based on your history with the band, know that I don't feel a whole lot of nostalgia for Steps. Uh, (laughs) Nice. (laughs) it It was like the song that I skipped on Comprehensive Guide, and I feel like Texas is the song that I would skip on My Republic. And I think we've we've established why that is. But yeah, the song to me has the sound of, like now, like as a grown-up, and it's funny to say because I was 26 or 27 when the record came out, but like as a grown-up now, you know, a full like 13, 15 years later, I realize now, um, and we've talked about this a bunch lately, that a lot of Russ's influence are not just 80s California hardcore, and a lot of them are very British, uh, new romantic sounds. And I feel like Texas definitely has a bit of that cadence to it. Although because it is distorted and loud as hell and Chuck Platt's playing bass and Sean Sellers is playing drums, it's never going to sound like a new romantic song. But I feel like some of the way that it's put together sort of sounds like that. Dan, do you want to weigh in on music stuff before we start talking about lyrics? Because if I know Greg from listening to Unscripted Moments, the propaganda podcast, uh, he's probably got like 20 to 40 minutes about lyrics. So, uh, Dan, I have a lot talk I have a about lot. music.
1: Perfect. <laughs> you have a lot about the lyrics. And I'm also very glad that you went first because for me personally, I didn't really care for this song, mm-hmm. but I do have a different appreciation for it now, kind of hearing. Kind of hearing how you was, you know, you took it in from listening to the record, and then it just like a hilarious brick wall that you hit, and you're like, okay, cool, this is interesting. And I mean, and listening to the song, like it's not that there's anything really that was so, you know, to borrow a phrase, like jarring that it was like, fuck, like I can't get into it. It just didn't really hit me in any type of way. And I listened to it so many times. I ran and did errands earlier. I had it on repeat, <laughs> and I was like, our guest loves this song. He told us it was one of his top five songs. There's, so, there, I'm, I'm missing something. And I couldn't, I couldn't really put my finger on it. And then I was like, you know what? I think it's just the way tonally that it comes across. Um, only because a song of this speed with the same vocal melodies, but like with a different tone of like lifetime or none more black, which I had in my notes before you mentioned this is satire, mm-hmm. I would have been all over this. Like it's that speed, it's that tempo. But maybe you know, with Ari or Jason, or just a different kind of delivery on it, even if it's the same melody. I would have been like, yo, this this is great. This is like the type of stuff I want to listen to. But for some reason, it just didn't click with like, I guess, the the production. Like just the way that it was just delivered. I was just like, it just didn't punch. But maybe, maybe live, it's like a super hit and it's really fun. But yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. kind of what I have. It's really interesting, too, that Steps is a slow
2: one, and that's track two also, and Texas is slow, and that's track two. I'm like, what's the deal with these slow songs being track two on Good Riddance Records? It's almost like a practical joke that they're playing on us the entire time. And so I kind of like choose to think about it in almost like a humorous way like that, like, oh, they're going to slip a little joke at us right now and like kind of throw everybody for a loop to make sure we're actually paying attention. And, you know, something else that really jumps out at me when I was just listening to both of you is that I, another reason I really like this song is because one of the reasons I got into punk rock music in the first place was because I liked that. I felt like I could play some of the songs, right? Like people say this about the Ramones all the time. I could do that. And then what do you know? They do it. And then they make great bands, you know, like I'm thinking like my, my love of, Teenage Bottle Rocket and the Lillingtons right now. Um, So many amazing bands start off because they see a band playing something and they're like, I could do that and I should do that and I'm going to do it and it works out great. So this is a song that like if I went downstairs to my drum set right now, I could like sit down and like I could bash out this song on drums and have a really nice time and not have to like kill myself like with too much technicality. And so this is a song that like I think that If I heard it when I was like 13, I'd be like, this is a song that I'm going to play my drums to over and over and over. And even though I'm 37 now, I still retain that spirit of like trying to find little 13 year old Greg playing his first drum set. And this is a song that really speaks to that me that isn't here anymore, but is still like in my heart that I still try to like feed that little Greg. You know what I mean? And this is a song that that does that for me. And a really another surprising thing to me about this song is how short it is, because you think mm-hmm. when you start this song that it's going to be four minutes, right? It's going to be a plodding, boring, long, drawn-out thing that's like a real like pain in the ass to listen to. But then it's like done at like a minute 50, right? Like it has that long ring for like the last 15 seconds on the closing note. But it's shorter than Out of Mind, which is a way mm-hmm. faster song. So it's got that really shocking short length as well, which I really liked as well. Cause it's like, Oh, it feels like it's going to be so long and then it's like actually in and out pretty quick. It's actually kind of impressive to me in that way.
0: 100% agree with that. I think it is something as much as uh, we just talked about how jarring it is on the record to have something that is as slow as this song is in comparison to everything else. Good riddance has ever recorded. (laughs) uh, It is kind of funny that, yeah, it's minute and 45 seconds, minute and 50 seconds, You could sneak this onto a mixtape to someone that wasn't into punk rock and they'd probably still be like, "Okay, to sit through it, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, instead of it being four and a half minutes of of mid tempo alt rock, which I I like. I don't know if there's a genre of music I like less than that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The the four and a half minute one. If
2: this song was any longer, I wouldn't like it. But for some reason, because it's so short and because it's such a surprise to me on the album, that's why I really like it. And, you know, what's really fascinating is I wouldn't really say this is my top five favorite Good Riddance songs, but it's one of the ones that really just leaps out in my mind as being a crucial moment in my fandom of the band. So even though I like way I like tons of songs way more than this one. Like this is the one that stands out in my memory of walking down the MKT trail in Columbia, Missouri in the summer of 2006, walking to my summer school classes, like with the trees and the Southern Missouri heat. And this is like a song that just jumps out at me and like takes me right back to a time and place. So like, while I like song, a lot of songs more, this is one that just lingers in my mind as being just, a a really important one for me when I was going through a weird transition time in my life, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, why listen to music if you don't want to remember stuff about the first time you listen to it? Right. I really Uh, connect moments to songs for sure. I do that a lot. Oh, 100 percent. And then so lyrically, the way I'm going to go first on this one, because I feel like you're just going to crush us with with facts and figures.
2: (laughs) I won't. I promise
0: if anybody doesn't (laughs) already listened to Unscripted Moments, the podcast about propaganda. Greg goes so deep on that. We'll talk more about that in a bit, Uh, but lyrically for me, I feel like it's easy to say this song is about any governor or president with the last name Bush, but in true Russ Rankin (laughs) form, it also feels like there's more to it than just, you know, not my president uh, or whatever. Um, (laughs) I used to think that W was the worst possible president, but now... The more I think of it, like, he might barely make the top three bad presidents. Like, obviously, Trump is number one. And recently, I watched that documentary, uh, I think Showtime put it together. I can't remember who put it together, but the Reagan's documentary. Mm-hmm. And that dude was a fucking monster. Yep. Like Horrible. Like, <laughs> I didn't, you know, no matter how many times I can listen to Dead Kennedys or Diggle Abortions records about how bad Reagan was, watching that documentary was just like, no, th- Like Trump wasn't an accident, yeah. uh, which has nothing to do with the song Texas, really, so much as just uh, it would be easy to say that this is just about uh, the president at the time this record came out. Uh, Dan, what did you get out of the lyrics here?
1: No, no, I I chose because I wasn't a big, it's like I didn't want a deep dive. I was like, I know our guest is going to have tons on the lyrics, so I'm just going (laughs) to defer my. (laughs) <laughs> and just, you yeah. know, let them break because I'm also reading it too. And then um just like from my perspective, you know, like up here in Canada, I don't really fully um relate to what he's saying. And, you know, and you're Greg, you're coming from like, you know, like southern Missouri you're saying, which is not necessarily Texas. Actually it's not Texas at all, but I mean it's you know, it's there's probably more of a context or at least something more that you could pull from like experience than I can.
2: Yeah, you know, okay, so I have legit no idea what this song is about per se specifically in Russ Rankin's mind when he's writing it. But I've got my theories obviously, you know. Um that's the great thing about music is that we can all ponder our own ideas and make something of it. But in my mind the obvious elephant in the room is what Josh said about George W. Bush, war in Iraq, Bush cruised to reelection in 2004. And he broke a lot of hearts, mine included. Um, you know, I was on the whole punk voter jacked up train. You know, I was big time all in. Um, so I also thought that he was the worst imaginable president because of all of the, you know, the the war crimes. But, you know, Bush was like, whatever. And he won easily. So the aftermath of that election is a generation of young people, myself included, just being totally crushed. And this song, to me, is about Bush. It's about being from Texas and the perception of Texans as being a southern state based on trust, following your heart, uh, which is, you know, very big in, um, you know, southern American culture. uh, But also, like, growing up in, like, wealth and the power that turns people into people willing to do and say certain things to retain that grip on power um including when you get power you know like uh working for for massive oil companies that are destroying the the planet that we live on that we have to live on or you know going to war and bombing other nations into oblivion for the sake of discovering weapons of mass destruction that don't exist etc so you have to be willing to do and say certain things whenever you're in power but to come from a place like Texas is described in the song as being, you know, a place where you follow your heart, you know, and and then doing sorts of things that George W. Bush did. It's kind of a big deal. Um, So I think about like this first line. I feel a chill in the air today. And that is just it's really evocative to me. It's just so vivid yeah. and. Who hasn't felt that way this entire year? Like this sense of doom and foreboding of this opening line is like really spot on for how I feel about a lot of life just in general. And like it creeps me out, like feeling that it gives you like the impression something horrible is about to happen. Like, for example, I went to Sao Paulo, Brazil in February of 2020, right before the pandemic really got its grip on like North America So February, like three weeks later, we're on lockdown, right? I'm standing in this, I'm standing in the Sao Paulo airport, February, 2020, and I'm looking around and half the Mm -hmm. people are in mass. Half the people aren't, we're all staring at each other, completely creeped out about to get on this massive airplane to fly from Sao Paulo to Dallas. Creepy, man. Creepy. So, you know, I was going to Dallas that really evoked this song for me, but that's kind of what this song is about to me. But it's like, there's so many other lines. Do you guys want me to go on like specific lines and stuff?
0: It's all yours, man. Go for it.
2: Uh, man, so like oh, it's just there there's so many good ones. Is this the land that our fathers made? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's perfect because like if you think about like what the song might be saying, it's like, are we betraying the values of our fathers? Are we straying from the path of what they established for us and the founding documents? And I'm like, dude, this is the land that our fathers made. Yes, this is absolutely the land our fathers made. It's a nation built on slavery, racism, ingrained white supremacy, racist housing ordinances, a culture of police brutality against marginalized communities, nationwide land theft against First Nations populations. All of these histories of pain feed into a national reckoning that large swaths of the American public are attempting to have against another large swath of Americans who are vehemently pushing back on those attempted reckonings. So like, this is like a preview, this line, this is the land our fathers made. This is like a preview in 2006 for what the United States is going to go through during the Trump presidency of extreme tribalism, extreme uh, margins, not being willing or interested in meeting anywhere in the middle. Um, and, This is like a sort of like a a preview of that, like this line. I mean, I, I just love it. So it's, it's really cool. Do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. So something else about that line, and this is, uh, from a very, uh, like stripped down version of it is if we can assume, which I feel like we all are, that this song is based on the war crimes of, uh, W specifically, even from a literal standpoint of George W Bush only being regarded as important politically at all because of his father, this is something that he is trying to fill the shoes of someone who has followed, if not set up those policies and procedures that you just listed off. Sure. Uh, And the, and the idea that uh, Russ being Russ, of course, there's never one meaning to any one lyric uh, may be considered, you know, not just the broad and sweeping. Is this the land that our fathers made so much as, is this, you know, the path that my father set up for me?
1: Mm. Yeah. Looking at it too. And same thing in what you're saying, Greg, about it kind of be like foretelling what we, we co- go through, you know, in a in a Trump presidency. I just finished that HBO Q documentary. And yeah, like just like seeing everyone kind of pitted against one another and just, just instead of being in any sort of progressive way of everyone kind of coming together, it's just everyone's more and more marginalized and split up. Yeah. And like, that's, that's what I was getting from reading this and being like, you know, is this a land our father's made? And I was like, no, yeah, maybe it's rough. But then you said it so beautifully, you know, in the same ways that we have said before, too, is That the system's not broken. It's the way the system is. And as much as we want to be progressive and give everyone kind of Equal rights you know some people are going to Stand in our, our way for that like that's Definitely more broad than just George W. Bush But like and like the pain That
2: all of this division Has caused real families Down here on oh my god South of the 49th Um it's sur- <laughs> it's Truly surreal and everybody who's listening To me knows that I refer to propaganda constantly Um sorry um I'm on the good Riddance podcast making propaganda Illusions um don't worry
0: Dan does it All the time
2: so like <laughs> It's what what's so fun, what's so sad is that division causes so much actual pain for real families down here, where, like you can find story countless stories of families who are just literally not speaking to each other, unable to communicate with people they've known their entire lives because of this reckoning that one half of the country is trying to have and the other half of the country is trying to not have. And it's right. really it's really just disturbing to watch. But like, man, if we go on in this song, it 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 also talks about Bush's total positions of wealth and privilege that he comes from, coming from the Bush family, uh, right. you know, with their compound in Kenny Blancport, Maine. His father yeah. was like the head of the CIA, vice president and president. Man, that's power that like it, you get born into that. And like it's the silver spoon that uh, that it, Russ alludes to here. But then it fades. Right. It rusts, which I love this line, because like Bush starts off. He was like the governor of Texas. He was kind of beloved. Um, he he owned the Texas Rangers for a while, I think. And then mm-hmm. when he ran for president on this name recognition as kind of like the I want to have a beer with that guy phenomenon. And he runs on this. I'm a compassionate conservative. Everybody will remember that little buzz line from the campaign in 2000. So he goes from this born against (laughs) he goes born against he goes from this born again, compassionate, conservative, (laughs) his words, not mine, to this absolute war criminal who has deaths in the hundreds of thousands traced back to his decision making with Rumsfeld and Cheney. And that is huge, man. Like he goes from like this, this really this person who has record high approval ratings in the wake of 9-11 to just plummeting in popularity. And like, Texas, what's becoming your favorite son? And I know the lyric is sons, plural, but like mm-hmm. I never listened to it that way. I always yeah. listened to it as son, Texas, what's becoming your favorite son? So I'm going to choose my own interpretation here and turn it into singular. And that son is George and how George was the compassionate conservative and he immediately falls down to being um, this person that pe- he's like a leper. Right. People are like, ah, that guy in his war crimes. And, you know, that's huge. And I can see this lyric being about Texans who once thought W was super great, but then got a little squeamish on his choices as his second term, like lurched forward and uh, drug us through the muck of um, all the all the crimes that happened.
0: Yeah. Wow. What? So, (laughs) sorry. So I feel like now would be a good time to remind all the listeners of Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance, that unscripted moment, a podcast about propaganda is hosted by Greg and another teacher. You may be picking up on on the very specific dissection of lyrics that Greg is far more prepared and (laughs) capable of than, uh, you know, a bartender who likes records and uh, a dude who, uh, you know, just likes fucking partying and drinking beer. Um, yeah. And so this is just a taste of what you get when you listen to Unscripted Moments, a podcast about propaganda. That said, I feel like the the primary difference between the two podcasts is that propaganda, not, I, I don't want to sell short Chris's uh, songwriting skills, but I feel like Russ definitely leans more on poetry and with. Chris and and Propagandy and Todd when he writes lyrics as well, uh, everything is a lot more sort of obvious and direct if referencing twenty thousand things in a two minute yeah. long song. Crazy. Uh, so so what you might be picking up on is that uh, Greg is a professional researcher, <laughs> <laughs> um, which which I am a hundred percent down for. What do you think of the line? we got our eyes on you from this song. Oh is man. That, is that a reference to the Patriot act or is that a reference to Texans maybe reevaluating what they think of W? So
2: I, I think it could,
0: it could definitely be the
2: Patriot act thing for sure. Um, Cause the, the power of pieces of legislation like that can get so dark, right? I mean, the overreach of power can really have just a, a massive impact on a nation. So it totally could be that. I also think that it's more likely the uh, almost like the the American oligarchy, like the super high powered people who are uh, very involved in funding um, political campaigns and potentially the the thought of like donors turning on a candidate is uh, is a really big deal in American politics. Money poisons everything in our political system down here. And so to me, you better believe we got our eyes on you could also be the 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 mega elite of the highest stratospheric income levels of the United States, uh, deciding that this particular brand of politics is too toxic for the time being. And even though we get a lot of financial benefits out of this particular um, party or system or whatever. It's easy to uh turn people off. Um all you have to do is behave like Trump or, you know, invade countries and bomb people into oblivion and then watch where the money goes. So to me like the the better believe we got our eyes on you is possibly political donors as well turning their turning their attention away from uh you know the the Bush dynasty if you will.
0: That's a great insight that I in whatever the hundred and seventy thousand times I've listened to this song never popped into my brain. That's amazing, well,
2: dude. And the thing is like about um maybe maybe this conversation will uh, get people to think about Texas in a different way. And maybe they can appreciate it like me, because I feel like this is an overlooked gem within the catalog, if you will. And this is something that I always try to do on the propaganda show is I'm always trying to find uh, ways that I can rethink songs that I didn't like in the past because mm-hmm. I always find new things that I enjoy about it if I really set my mind to it and I kind of feel like that's what I'm really enjoying about this conversation for Texas and maybe it'll do something like that for your listeners as well who may have hit skip on this one after out of mind you know
0: well a lot of people don't mess with Texas you know
2: exactly that's the ph- that's that's the saying man don't mess with them they're big everything's <laughs> bigger down there including, uh, uh, including the song
0: Dan just gave me a big face palm on that one. Uh, well deserved face palm, to be honest. Uh, so, uh, Greg, we don't want to keep yes. you for too long, and you've already just done so much research on this song. We really appreciate it. Tell tell everyone about unscripted moments, a podcast about propaganda. Tell everyone about uh, classical ideas as well, if you'd like. We do obviously, as Good Riddance does, touch on religious themes here and there as well. Sure. Talk about your podcast, how people can find you, if people want to support you, all that stuff. Hit us.
2: So the Classical Ideas podcast has been my my baby for the last four years. I just topped 200 episodes um, of that wow. show. And it's, it's a massive thing that I'm super proud of. I do it by myself. Um, and on the show, I talk to scholars of religion and philosophy. I do not talk to theologians. Um, theology and religious studies are two extremely different fields so Mm -hmm. mine is all based in like academic uh work that comes out on like scholarly presses like harvard press and yale press and university of chicago press and things like that and um i i that's been a real pleasure so if you're interested in learning about things like Zen and Sikhism and Baha'i and, you know, all different kinds of religions and things like that. You can check that show out. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at classical underscore ideas. And I have a link tree in my bio there that you can find all of my, my podcast links. Unscripted Moments, a podcast about propaganda is a show that I co-host with my buddy Keith. And we talk about every single propaganda song. Um, We are about to hit 50 songs. I'm super stoked about it. And, Every episode is super long. We have no constraints on ourselves. We have a guest on every episode, and we just go all in on talking about what we think about different propaganda songs. Um, And it's been one of the pleasures of my lifetime uh, to do both of these shows. They are the most rewarding intellectual hobbies I ever could have imagined in my entire life. And if anybody out there listening is sitting on a good creative idea that you feel may feed your soul and make you a happier, more well-rounded and creative person, I urge you to do it. Do your idea. Don't wait. Start now. Do your creative project. I promise you it's worth it. And I am just rooting for everybody out there hearing this to to do something that makes them happy.
0: Greg, wow. Thank you so much for despite talking about some some dark stuff lyrically with the song texas leaving on such a a high note a positive note a very like encouraging note it means a lot to us for you to take the time to come here and do that with us thank you
2: you're welcome
0: taking the time to hang out with us Uh, despite some weird uh, uh, Skype issues. uh, Really appreciate Greg taking the time to hang out. He's a very busy guy. If you get the chance, please go check out Unscripted Moments, a podcast about propaganda. And hopefully, like what you get out of this Good Riddance podcast, you get to hear two guys talk about angles of propaganda songs and lyrics and ideas that maybe you hadn't fully considered before. Even if you don't like propaganda, that podcast is definitely worth listening to. Now... Moving on to our third song for this episode, "Dry Season" from 2015's *Peace in Our Time*. Russ, Sean, Chuck, and Luke, Dan, what did you think of "Dry Season"? Yeah,
1: so uh, I was listening to "Dry Season," um, and right away I found it very reminiscent of like sophomore era Good Riddance, but like with a little extra punch in production, like yeah. the one, the extra punch that we've come to know and love from their sound. Uh, and then I remind myself that the lineup that we have here, the same four buds that made up that classic lineup of Comprehensive Guide. So that makes sense. So basically just kind of on the same path where they were in the, those early releases and just kind of cleaning up the uh, the sound a bit. Uh, it's a pretty cool jam. Kind of mentioned earlier about the religious aspect and like, you know, the war protest message um lyrics much like grace and virtue like from last week i found were like really beautifully written um but they didn't impact me as much but it was a very cool read i almost preferred just reading it separately without the music um but i did like the song too but just kind of going through that poetic um that poetic layout of uh russ's lyrics i was just like this is this is great this is nice this is really fun But my question for you is, do we know who's screaming?
0: Yeah, that's Chuck Platt. I'll talk about it. When I get to my part about this, boy, howdy, do I talk about that?
1: Because I was watching the video, and it looks like it was Chuck, because it looks like Chuck maybe does backups for something for, like, a hot second. Yeah. Uh, And then, but then, like, I couldn't really picture that sound coming out from him. So I was like, okay, maybe for the video, it just to show someone screaming, like, for just a brief second or whatever uh and then i almost thought it was uh jacob bannon for like a hot second like right at the beginning i was like whoa and i was like okay wait no then after like two or three listens i was like okay this is not the dude from converged um but speaking of that video though nice to see that like three of the four guys look like they were having fun playing the song
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay okay (laughs) but there's there's
1: Three, uh, 75% of the band looks like they're having a real good time.
0: That's yeah. all I'll say. That's, that's Fair. <laughs> Here's the thing, Dan. Mm-hmm. Just like last week, fuck this song. A what way. a rager. Yeah, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Good Riddance broke up in May of 2007 and they put out a live album and then they did Capricorn One, which is the compilation of all the singles yeah. and b-sides and whatever yeah. uh, but so far as we all knew they were done and then in 2012 good riddance got back together and started out by playing gross rock and whatever other european festivals and then they started playing actual shows and in 2013 for my 33rd birthday my wife jess and i flew to san francisco to go see good riddance wow. this is what i chose to do for my 33rd birthday um because they i don't know if they'd done full-on tours yet but it was just like they had just started playing shows again, and it was the day after my 33rd birthday they were playing. Uh, the show was at the bottom of the hill, which I hadn't been to since I was on tour with Protest the Hero in 2006. Yeah. Um, Western Addiction and Cobra Skulls also played the show. Jason from Western Addiction made some amazing joke about being a 31-plus show uh, <laughs> instead of a 21-plus show, which was... Mostly just funny because it was incredibly accurate and (laughs) Goodrins comes out and plays a blazing set like they hadn't missed a step. At one point, Russ makes a joke on stage where he introduces the band and it's funny because they're playing in San Francisco and they're from Santa Cruz. And he says something on stage about like, we've always said we're Goodrins from Santa Cruz because no one ever says where they're actually from. You know, we could just say we're from San Francisco, but we aren't really from San Francisco. We're from Santa Cruz. Like, for instance... Who's actually from Toronto? And he says this on stage, like, as a joke. And Jess, my wife, and I sort of look at each other and halfways put our hands up and are like, I'm from Toronto. But, like, not trying to actually draw attention to ourselves, but the dude standing next to me at the show was like, what, seriously? And he's like, yeah, we we flew here for the show. <laughs> It's like unexpected awkwardness at the show. Anyway, they didn't have any merch for sale, so I bought a Steph Curry jersey anyway. Um, right. And keep in mind, this is 2013. This is when Bogut still played with the Warriors. Um, I started seeing interviews where Russ was talking about how he didn't want Good Riddance to be a band, be one of those bands that just plays old stuff and tours on their laurels kind of thing, which right. was very good news to me. And then in 2015, this fucking song, dry season comes out and there's a video that looks like it was just shot in the same space as all their other videos you know well except for the steps video i guess and it's all like chaotic looking and while it is a jam space video the cuts are all really fast and there's like superimposed helicopters and bombs and guns and stuff it's it's a pretty good punk video and then the song itself just rips it's such a gamble when a band decides to reunite and then start making new music. Like it's one thing to tour on old stuff. Cause like everyone's going to go see Cox Barrer, you know? Um, but I don't know if I need to hear a new Cox Barrer album, whereas like good riddance get back together. And unlike everything else, it totally worked. Uh, dry season shows up and it's an all out attack. It's fast as hell. Everything sounds like it might fall apart, but the chorus is still really melodic and you can sort of sing along to it. And the bridge in this fucking thing, Russ and Chuck sound like they're just screaming at each other while Sean's drums sound like he's pushed them over a fucking cliff and they're tumbling, bouncing off of rocks and smashing into each other. And Luke is playing these like way up on the neck high notes on the guitar It's honestly, and it's funny you mentioned Converge because I feel like this is the most dissonant, noisy thing that Good Riddance has ever recorded. But at no point does the song actually lose its way. Like it's still tight all the way through. Lyrically, the song's really, I think it's a really broad look at what happens when armed forces, quote unquote, liberate regions that, for whatever reason, are in a struggle. And that liberation often just leads to religious regimes being trusted to take over and run these regions in some sort of responsible way. And we've talked about it a little on the show, but, you know, religion is the primary reason that everything is so fucked. Uh, (laughs) Worrying about, like, worrying about sticking to rules that some old book says is the best way. Like, it's, you know, it negates anything that could be useful in the present or in like actual reality. And that isn't to say that you can't get something from religious texts, but uh it's a big leap from advice to absolute power. And again, I would like to say that anyone listening should really check out our guest Greg Soden's podcast Classical Ideas where he debunks everything I just said about religion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was thinking when you made that that comment about religion, I was like Huh. I really, kind of counter counterpunch to uh, our guest who has uh, left us for the evening. But yeah, it it would have been nice to get that kind of reaction.
0: I'm sure um, when he hears the episode later, he's gonna love that. It, that is what came up later.
1: Body of mine. Oh, sorry. Did you have anything else about dry season? I think we pretty much no, covered. No, that's
0: that's all I have to say about dry season. It is a fucking all timer. I love dry season anyone that i know there is at least one listener who like is very curious about what our top 10 good written songs are and i try not to rank good written songs especially with this podcast I'm trying to approach it objectively whether i like the song or not uh finding the finer and lesser points of them but like dry seasons is one of my favorites for sure
1: i mean yeah it's i get it and uh, you know like i would say like uh, musically uh, it was fine. It was a good little, good little jam. Sounds like, you know, well-produced sophomore era good riddance. And then lyrically separately, I really like it. And then as a whole with the video is really cool. Like you were saying, like the superimposed, you know, you get the, wait, was it George Bush that's in the video? Like they flash his face briefly and then there's the, I know
0: Colin Powell is for sure.
1: Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I, like I'm working on my top 10 as well. And not that I'm ranking them in an order, but, uh, yeah, no, we're not gonna release those before this is done. Are you kidding me? Come
0: on now. No, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Uh, did you have a listen? Did you have a listener question?
1: I did. I'm looking for it right now because someone sent it to me directly and not Alright. So it's kind of a little bit of a two parter. I know we touched on part of this in the past, but we were asked Who did the parody shirt better? Was it Good Riddance's Tim Horton's ripoff? or Suicide Machines Empire Strikes Back logo
0: ripoff? I'm going to go with option three, which was the second Good Riddance t-shirt I ever purchased, where it was strictly the Rebel Alliance logo with the words Good Riddance underneath it. It's not even a parody. Okay. It's just straight up, straight up the Rebel Alliance logo, but with Good Riddance written underneath it instead of Star Wars or skywalker or whatever
1: right that's okay i like that Because the the follow-up to it was basically along the lines of you know there's lots of cool ripoffs uh and parodies back in that time that kind of like ran especially like ontario as far as i know uh, in terms like you know the punkers one um, yeah. the effects tricks rip off and all that stuff so the second part was if not one of the two then was there another one that you liked better? But hey, there we go. Rebel Alliance Good Riddance, I guess, is the answer.
0: Well, and like, that was also before uh, Jar Jar Binks. I think, sure. I, th- I think that's an important thing to note about uh, the Star Wars artwork from 1996, uh, is that Jar Jar Binks, the prequels didn't exist yet. Like, being into Star Wars was nerdy, but also... Associating yourself with the Rebel Alliance in 1996 is a whole lot different than associating yourself with the Rebel Alliance in like 2006. <laughs> sure. Yeah,
1: that's very fair. That's very fair. Okay. Mm, mm. No, I don't know if I want to go there.
0: Never mind. So what, so, what do you think? The Suicide Machines or the Good Ridden shirt? <sighs> I really like the Suicide Machines one.
1: Um, the Tim Hortons logo is classic. But uh, I really like the Suicide Machine one, but more than anything, I think my favorite kind of, I don't even know if this kind of counts, but um, there was a uh, a band from Montreal that had a shirt where it was R2-D2, but the um, base, the body was a PBR can, and it was oh. PBR2-D2 and it was yeah a band called dig it up from montreal they're fucking super sick super nice dudes and i say dudes non-gender specific they're super nice people because it's not just dudes in the band and uh yeah fuck yeah
0: pbr2d2 what songs are we gonna do next week dan good question uh nine. Oh yeah number nine is 12 year circus 12 year circus yeah which is featured both on the decoy 7 inch and forgotten country are they
1: two different versions are we doing two different episodes
0: there are two different versions but uh no we are not doing two different episodes
1: you want to talk about both versions no anyways uh the other one is
0: 135 Ooh, 135 is the song stand which uh, I'm pretty sure was on a fat comp first. It may be on a seven inch as well, but uh, off the top of my head, I'm saying that's on the third, maybe the fourth fat comp.
1: I am pretty sure it's on the third, like um, fat comp. The one looks like a newspaper on the front. I'm forgetting what the
0: clever name was. All the news that's fat to print. If that isn't the title of it, then fucking fat Mike fucked up uh <laughs> what's the third song for next week seven <laughs> seven has not been done seven is the song boys and girls also from forgotten country i feel like forgotten country got a break for the first little while and uh it's gonna be rough going for that lp for the next little while
1: <laughs> you think so? i don't know we still have quite a few episodes here to spread it out all over oh it sounded yeah. really good can you edit that out? That sounded gross. Oh, not a
0: chance. Leaving right. it in. <laughs> so if anyone has any questions for us or anyone wants to let us know what they thought of Greg's super analytical take on the song Texas, how do they do that?
1: Well, if they specifically want to talk about Greg's take, I would <laughs> suggest, uh, you know, reach out to us, but also reach out to Greg and Unscripted uh, unscripted Moments. But if you have any questions or concerns or anything you want to talk to us about, uh, shoot us an email, lastbelieverpod at gmail.com, or um, hop on the Instagram machine and um, send us a DM at lastbelieverpod uh, while you're on there. You know, keeping it cross-platform. Going to do patreon.com/slash-lastbelieverpod. We're going to uh, some very cool bonus and exclusive stuff for you guys there. And as we say every week, we're not doing it to make money. Should we get to a surplus from just covering our costs, we'll um, we'll reach out to the patrons and we'll figure out uh, who we're going to donate some of those. Uh, or sorry, who we're going to donate that uh, that surplus to. I'll tell you to tell a friend. Go and tell a friend to uh, listen to two bozos talk about old punk and remember things that maybe are better (laughs) forgotten. So you can uh, give us a like, a subscribe, a five-star review would be great. Uh, You don't have to go into detail. Even just dropping a five-star review in something as easy as pop-pop can uh, really help um, kind of boost our rating as a pod and get on people's radars with the algorithm um or again just always telling a friend is really our favorite way to get this to grow organically um and yeah we do love hearing from you so uh, don't hesitate to reach out and um we love it when you hear the
0: bands that we talk about so make sure to check out the playlist that we have on spotify i want to say thanks again to greg soden from unscripted moments a podcast about propaganda we will put the link to that show in our show notes. Um, If you follow us on social media, as Dan said, uh, these two podcasts go back and forth, uh, liking and subscribing and retweeting things that uh, we've both put out there. So shouldn't be too hard to find. I want to thank Good Riddance and Fat Records for not telling us to quit it as of yet. Uh, we We haven't bummed them out too much with anything that we've done. And that's great. Thanks for letting us keep going on this. Very important go to Bandcamp, go to Good Riddance and find the uh, benefit for the World Food Program buy that, that's what you can do to support um, people who need it, the band and uh, let's let's say you're supporting the podcast by doing that if we're the ones who are sending you to go do that again, thanks to everyone, we'll be back next week, we'll talk about 12-Year Circus, we'll talk about Stand and we'll talk about Boys and Girls a bunch of classics next week yep. Yeah!